What's going on, everybody? Wanted to drop in after the Bassmaster Classic and do another post-tournament thoughts of what I saw go down and if that lined up with, uh, you know, what I had heard and what people had expected going into the event. So episode 13 here of Cast the Podcast, and we're going to go through the 2020 Academy Sports and Outdoors Bassmaster Classic presented by Hook at Lake Gunnersville, the 50th edition of the Bassmaster Classic. Super cool event, super fun. I was down in Birmingham for the whole deal, and I actually went around and, you know, I, I made it to Gunnersville uh, for day one of the event and was at takeoff, and then the rest of the week stayed down in Birmingham to continue doing Bassmaster Live and everything. But Lake Gunnersville was interesting this week. There was a lot of different things going on over the last, over the, a couple weeks before the Classic people were saying the same thing they were last year. Are we going to have this classic? There's so much rain in the system. There's so much uh, debris and and whatnot. You know, that's the same stuff they were uttering about the classic in 2019 at Fort Loudon and up in Knoxville because of how high it was. But the TVA does a great job of pulling the water down the way they need to and getting it through the system. There's like six or seven lakes, what is it, Fort Loudon, Teleco, Watts Bar, Chickamauga, uh, Nickajack, Gunnersville, Wheeler, Wilson, Pickwick, Kentucky Lake. However many lakes that is, that's the Tennessee River. And they do a great job of getting that water from lake to lake into Kentucky Lake before dumping it out into the Ohio River and stuff. So Kentucky Lake absorbs a lot of that water. So Over the last few weeks, Pickwick has been super high. Kentucky Lake has been absorbing water, and um, they've been able to keep it at somewhat normal levels. Uh, The flows might be heavier on Gunnersville, but the levels were somewhat normal. Um, But the water color, the flow, the the amount of eelgrass in the system, there was a lot of different things going on, and... At the Bassmaster Classic, practice is much different. So when anglers arrived, I believe they arrived like, I want to say February 29th or March 1st or something like that. And I think it was March 1st for practice. So Friday, March 1st, they rolled in, did first day of practice. Then March 2nd, that's Saturday. And then that Sunday were three days of practice there. Then... They had Monday and Tuesday off to do different things in Birmingham media-wise and TV coverage and interviews and the the pre-tournament meetings and all of that jazz. Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, they got back out there for a final day of practice. And then they had Thursday media day before the tournament started Friday. So if you think about that, their first day of practice was exactly a week before the tournament started. Normally, they practice three days you know, two and a half days leading right up to the event. Well, the, at the Classic, it's they practice for four days, but three of those are a, a week to five days before the event starts. So very, very interesting um, way to approach it. Basically, some guys will end up uh, finding fish that leave them You know, those three days at practice could be great for people, could be terrible for people. So anglers could be on a pattern that is going away as the tournament starts, or they could be on nothing and their pattern, you know, what what they have, what 
couple places they've caught fish could be areas that funnel in more bass and and the fish are coming to them so to say and that's always what you want to be fishing where the fish are headed so a lot of different factors going on the bite was not that easy in practice for those guys and uh but they knew somebody was going to catch them it doesn't matter if you're not catching them somebody's going to catch 20 pounds a day to win the event at least and uh, that was the case and Hank Cherry won the classic with 65 pounds, five ounces for three days. Fantastic event for him. He had 29 pounds on day one of the Bassmaster Classic. If there's any time to catch a giant bag of fish in your career, that is the day to do it. So impressive for him to get it done on day one like that. Then he had a, a pretty solid day. Uh, I believe it was like 17 or 16 pounds and change. And then day three, he closed it out with 19 pounds or so, almost 20 pounds to win the Classic. Meanwhile, there were guys like Brandon Lester who had 20 pounds each of the first two days and were was consistent but um, needed a big bag on the final day, and that didn't come to fruition for him. But guys like Stetson Blaylock, Stetson was like 18 pounds and change, 19 pounds and change, and 20 pounds and change for his three days. So he got better every single day by just a little bit, got more dialed into his areas, which is always cool to see. Normally when you start an event, weights go down. For him, weights kept going up. Todd Otten did well. He finished second, and uh, he had a he had a seven nine big bass on day one. He had twenty pounds, and on the final day, he had twenty pounds. So, kudos to the top three, and kudos to the whole field. It was a it was not the easiest event to fish for those guys, and they got it done. One thing that was very interesting, anglers uh, got out there for the final day of practice on Wednesday. I was I was out there with them, and uh, I got to. I got to kind of talk to them and gauge what had changed, what was different, were certain areas muddy and now they're clean, were certain areas clean and now they're muddy, those kinds of things. Let's just say Wednesday was beautiful. Wednesday was perfect. The conditions were exactly, uh, you know, a little bit different. It wasn't super cold, but slick, not much wind at all. And uh, supposed to be rain, but it, no rain ended up falling on Lake Gunnersville that day. It it saved it for all of Birmingham. So Birmingham got trashed with rain, but that was not the lake, and the lake's you know sixty to seventy miles away. So it was um, it was a uh, a great day of weather, great conditions, everything, and it was still kind of tough. But the watercolor looked great. It wasn't, we went all over the lake. I got to ride with Seth Fighter. He caught a seven pounder in front of me on the final day of practice. He only got two bites though. Caught two fish. One of them was a two pounder and one of them was a seven. The seven was doing something uh, in an area that he was already confident in. So he was confident in an area about a mile from where we stopped. He decided to fish, you know, down this stretch towards his spot. About five minutes into fishing, he catches a seven-pounder, gets in the boat, puts his rod down, and says, let's go back. I know what I want to do. So that was kind of cool to see him have that epiphany moment that this is all I've got going for me, but it's something good, and it's something worthwhile. So I'm going to stick it out there. We got to see him catch a big bag of fish on the final day. He ended up finishing fourth in the Classic. So that was cool. Um, I'm not saying I'm good luck. Not at all. Not at all. But I will just state the facts. I rode with Brandon Lester on the final day of practice in 2019 at the Classic. He finished sixth. I rode with Seth Fighter the final day of practice in 2020. 
he finished fourth. I'm just saying, those two guys are just, they might be an indication that, hey, if you want a good classic finish, just have Ronnie come ride with you on the final day of practice. That's what you need to do. No, the all jokes aside, I wanted to see how those guys fished. Obviously, I like to I pick out who I ride with on the final day of practice based on who we have on live for day one. I want to be able to see somebody and the way they approach the fishery, but also somebody that we'll have on camera that I'll be able to relay that information I learned from them into tournament action and be able to use that for analysis. So riding with Seth Fighter was fun. What was crazy was from fr- was from Wednesday to Friday. You know, you get off the water Wednesday at 3 p.m. You get on the water Friday at 5:30 a.m. So that's not that's not much time. That's one day. Uh, it's probably you know 24 hours in a day. It's probably if we did the math, it's probably like 30, 34, 36 hours or something that went by. And from that time. The wind blew from the northwest pretty, pretty, pretty strongly. Day one takeoff, the winds were pretty, pretty stout coming from that direction. Uh, but the rest of the lake was way the way it lays out. The rest of the lake was fishable and whatnot, but it was blowing strong in there. That rearranged some of that floating grass that blew around and uh, mixed it up quite a bit. It also muddied up areas and cleaned up areas. Some areas that were dirty, it pushed that dirty water out. Some areas that were clean, it pushed that dirty water in there. So it was kind of interesting. Guys, you know, probably felt confident or they knew their plan. And then they roll up and it's totally different day one of the classic uh, areas or not as they seem. And uh, so that was very, very interesting to see how it was approached. Uh, The baits that went down this past week... As expected, we saw a lot of lipless action. Um, guys like uh, Brandon Lester was throwing one. I believe he was throwing a strike king, two tap. Uh, and then you've got guys like Stetson Blaylock throwing a hard knocker and a one knocker from Booyah. Those guys were throwing those, catching fish. Uh, then we saw the chatterbait come into play. The chatterbait was a big deal. Uh, for a lot of guys, it was a great way to fish that that grass. Uh, it's hard sometimes to get eelgrass off a treble hooked bait like a lipless. So you can clear out a chatter bait and and keep fishing it, you know, efficiently. A lot of those areas were unfishable because of floating eelgrass or because of the way things laid out with where the eelgrass was positioned. So it was very important to have a bait for one that. Um, you could clear out and continue to fish. You didn't have to worry about not being able to fish spots or areas. And that's one thing that Chatterbait provided was you could clear that thing out. And when I mean clear it is when you're reeling it along and it's pumping, it's vibrating, and all of a sudden it stops. It's probably got grass on it. And then you just pump your rod or you just, you know, you just set the hook to the side and clear it. And it'll, uh, you know, rip that grass off there and continue vibrating and fishing, you know, and, and going along in the strike zone. So that's what I mean by that. But that was a great bait. We saw a jerk bait come into play. Obviously a jerk bait, a jerk bait won the classic for Hank Cherry, uh, as expected Hank Cherry, um, one of the best, if not the best jerk bait fisherman in the world. Uh, man, I could probably list off five guys that are in that would be you know in my top five with a jerk bait i'd probably leave a guy or two out but 
you know, at the top, if you're having to do it, it's going to be a, a Hank Cherry, a Kelly J, a Kevin Van Dam. Those those three guys have been um, renowned with a jerk bait for a long time. Um, there's really I'm trying to think of some other people. I said five, and now I, I'm calling my own bluff, and I can't do it. Uh, I don't know if there's any other guys that throw it as much as they do um, as a search bait to cover water to find fish. So that's some good jerk bait company to be in right there. And, and they all have their different styles and their different deals. But um, we knew it was going to be happening at some point. Hank Cherry was going to win a classic or win a big event on a jerk bait. He's been close too many times. And, uh, and it finally came true. He won that deal on a. Uh, believe a mega bass 110 plus one in a you know a whitish opaque jerk bait color i think it's called gp or og or something um i'm not looking at it right now but you'll see plenty of photos of it on social media and uh it was it was cool what he was saying he was saying he put some put some different hooks on it which gave it a little bit different weight action where the tail sunk first which if you're thinking about a jerk bait action, jerking it along, and if you pause and twitch, twitch, when you pause, if the back end of it goes down, when you jerk, it's going to give a great snapping action from the nose forward. So it's going to be, you know, the nose is going to be pointing up, jerk. Then the nose is going to be horizontal, uh, maybe even pointed down a little bit. And then, if, and then if he waits long enough, it points to the sky again, jerk. It jumps back down horizontally. So it gives it a, a definitely an erratic action and one that the fisher, you know, if they come up and bite it, some of them had it across their face. Some of them had it, you know, tail first. Some of them had it head first. Um, they were eating it pretty good. He did lose a few fish, but that happens on any treble bait. Uh, so... Those are a couple of the key baits. Um, John Cruz was throwing that chatterbait. Todd Auten was throwing the chatterbait. I mentioned that, um, why why it was a good bait this week. Those guys were throwing it. David Mullins was throwing it. Um, trying to think of anybody else that was getting it done with that in the top uh, deal. I think Brandon Lester might have caught a few on it out there on the main river bar that he was fishing. Um, as we go down leaderboard mentally in my head, Lee Lipsy threw a bladed jig. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Jason Williamson was also one of the top 10. I believe he was throwing a lipless crankbait as well as, uh, he started throwing a jerk bait some. And so a lot of guys throwing a lot of, of those notorious pre-spawn baits that we expected to factor. And they did, um, so I was very interesting when it comes to fantasy fishing. I'm going to give a little bit of a recap there on how I did my team for the classic was Keith Combs, Drew Cook, Lee Livesey, Shane Lee Hugh, and Daryl Gleason. A couple quick reasons why pre-spawn power fishing, Keith Combs, big fish, big baits, grass, Lee Livesey. Drew Cook, a lot of experience on Gunnersville. Shane LeHue, experience on Gunnersville. Calm in the moment, uh, a lot of pressure, but one of those silent assassins. Daryl Gleason, <coughs> he's been amped for this moment since he won the first Open in 2019. He was so amped that uh, ready for this event. 
mentally prepared, fished in some pro events, and uh, was really focused. So that's why I picked those five guys. And um, when you look at their finishes, Combs finished 14th. Livesey finished 8th. I really appreciate him dropping 21-13 on the final day to move from 15th to 8th. That was big time. So basically, and then uh, Drew Cook finished 22nd. Those were my three guys fishing the final day. Combs dropped a spot, but the big story with Combs is he was 43rd with 7 pounds on day 1. Goes and whacks 23-10, moves up to 13th. Then he just dropped back to 14th, drops back to 14th on the final day. Cook went from 16th to 19th to 22nd. As the event went on, day two, he had a two giants come off basically at his hand at the boat before he could grab them. That's brutal. He would have been for sure, you know, poking around that top 10 if not for that. Uh, Livesey, 24th, 15th, 8th. He had 14, 16, and 21. That's what you want to see in a tournament is getting better every day, like I mentioned with Blaylock, who finished third. LaHue was 35th, jumped up to 28th, missed the cut, but 28th solid. Gleason, on the other hand, went 23rd to 35th. Not a bad finish. Dropped back a little bit, only two fish on day two. So overall, had 1,171 points in this event. And uh, my tournament rank, I don't think I can see my tournament rank specifically. But I was around that 90% mark. eighty or I, was, I think I was around the 80% mark. But overall, for fantasy fishing, um, I'm sitting at 95% overall. 94.6%. I will take that. That is a great uh, position right now. I'm 1600th, 1600th, is that how you say? Yeah, 1600th and 60th, so 1660th overall, um, and I'm at 95%. There's 5% of people beating me, and that equates to 1,659 people. So very competitive fantasy fishing. I'm going to give a shout-out to Beat Ronnie Moore group. If you're on fantasy fishing you're not in my group, you need to get in that group um, just to talk trash and have fun. In the Beat Ronnie Moore group, after two events, Steel J, which that's the username, but the name is J Steel for the actual name, second ranked overall in fantasy fishing, and they're in my group. They picked, I'm going to go through their, their two tournament picks real quick. St. John's River, they had Cliff Prince, Patrick Walters. I had both those guys. They had Brandon Cobb, Kyle Welcher, and Buddy Gross. We all know great picks there. Only downfall there was Brandon Cobb, which probably had Steel J in a hole. They were not leading my group because Brandon Cobb finishing 43rd. That does not get it done for Fantasy Fishing to lead an event. Um, but a huge rebound at the Classic with John Cox, Drew Cook, Micah Fraser, Todd Ott, and Cody Huff. So all of those people made the cut for, for Steel J. 21st, 22nd, 5th, 2nd, and 24th, plus 40 bonus points for Todd Otten in Bucket D for Steel J's fantasy fishing team for the Classic. 1,306 points there. Overall, 
second place in fantasy fishing, leading the beat Ronnie Moore group. And uh, so that's how the classic played out. I, I was really surprised. Uh, there wasn't, man, I, I thought there might be two big bags. I thought there might be guys that were going to be closer together competing, but, um, you know, Hank Cherry won by six pounds and change. Um, but it was really in doubt. Final day, 9 a.m. It had been, they had been fishing for two hours. He had zero. He was down in seventh place on Bass Track. Everyone in the top six had basically passed him. And uh, he had yet to get a fish. He started getting oh, on the on a roll and uh, worked out very well for him. He uh, he cashed in big time and caught you know a three pounder, a two pounder, a three pounder, a five pounder, a four pounder, and that's how he kind of started his limit out. Called out a few times at the end of the day to put an exclamation point on um, on his event. So. Kudos to Hank Cherry. Great classic. I had so much fun. I did not knock on wood. I got zero wood around me right now in my truck to knock on. Um, But I did not get the flu from anyone at the classic. I had the flu the week before the classic. Got all better. Was worried about that. Got all better that Saturday. Traveled down Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and everything. And we were all good. I was hand sanitized to the nines and uh, made sure that I stayed well. So if you got the flu from the classic, I'm sorry. Not me, but just stay away from me for a little bit. So great classic. Birmingham uh, showed out at the expo and weigh-ins. And uh, it was a great 50th classic. The live viewership was awesome. Bassmaster Live was rocking. We saw some great action there. And uh, just really had an enjoyable time. I'm extremely humbled by um, my coworkers and what they trust me with at, at my job. It's extremely humbling when you love what you do and then you end up getting better at it and people trust you to accomplish things that you've never done but they they think that you can do it it's extremely humbling and uh so for me this past week I went to the lake to start the tournament and um you know what I'm not even going to do this I'm going to put it in a different podcast this one's wrapping up Gunnersville fantasy fishing how it was won Um, I didn't say where it was won. Hank Cherry won it on the bridge at Browns Creek and one or two shallow but off-the-bank spots in Browns Creek. So congrats to him. Mentioned all the bait breakdowns, the weights, fantasy fishing, where it was won. Um, It was spread out all over Gunnersville, though. There was guys all the way up the river by the B.B. Comer Bridge. There were guys on the main river on those bars fishing the new emergent grass and uh, guys in the backs of creeks from Roseberry to North Saudi to Seabold to All Reds. One thing that blew my mind, I didn't see a single contender in Spring Creek. Very interesting. I don't know. If you're a local uh, Gunnersville and you know what the deal is with that, if it's been in a downturn or if it's just not producing right now, I'd love an explanation. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram, Ronnie Moore Bass. Facebook as well. Let me know why you think that 
Spring Creek did not factor in this event. It was very, very intriguing. Didn't even hardly see a boat or two on, on in Spring Creek on Bass Track on the map. So, you know, you had all of the main creeks represented except for that one, really. Browns was a heavy one. There was ended up being four or five of the top 12 in there. Really good event. I'm going to do another podcast today that I will drop out another day coming up, probably in a day or two, um, once this one has run its course, about uh, my experience at the Classic with what my tasks were and all the new things got to experience and uh, the blessings that came from that. Super cool. I've got some really cool stories to come from it, and I hope you all tune into the next podcast as well uh, to hear that. So, Wrapping up episode 13, my thoughts of Gunnersville and the Classic. Intriguing event, historical event, 50th Classic, 50 years Bassmaster's been uh, going on with the Classic, and we knocked it out. Uh, it's my seventh Classic overall working. I think it's my eighth or ninth overall attending, and uh, Super incredible to see how it's gone from 1971 when Bobby Murray won and they had a couple spectators on a floating dock with the way they weighed them in at Lake Mead to the 50th with how many people showed up at the expos and the weigh-ins and uh, the showmanship that was there with the anglers. They really embraced it. Super cool. So a lot of cool stories from that. I'm going to put out a podcast Probably when I get done with this one, I'll record the next one with specific to me, not to the fishing, not to anything else, but just what I got to experience this week and how grateful I am for the opportunity. So hope you enjoyed it. See you on the next one. I'm out.